Hello, beautiful listeners. My name is Shanze Reza, and I'll be your host for today. Welcome to this episode of Culture Shock with Shireen on CMT. So, how are you doing today, Shireen? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. You know, it's it's ups and downs, uh, but overall pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Same here. Um, I feel like summer like was a good break for all of us university students. Absolutely, for sure. Especially thro- being thrown online and not expecting that. So it's nice to ha- take this break now for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I agree. 100%. Yeah. All right. So to before we like dive into all the questions and prompts, I want to ask you what your definition, what your kind of like idea is of culture shock. Oh, okay. For me, like a cultural shock is like the feeling of um, disorientation or the feeling of being uh, unwelcomed when having to adapt to a different uh, to a different culture from their own. Yeah, that's like pretty much like briefly. Yeah. My I agree with that. The one we have mm-hmm. here, when we uh, search it up, it says um, the feeling of disorientation, like you said, experienced by someone who is suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, way of life, or set of attitudes. So yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much what you touched on. If we dive in a little deeper as to what that means and take it apart, it is like an experience a person may have when one moves to a cultural environment which is different from one's own. It is also a personal disorientation. A person may feel when experience an unfamiliar way of life to immigration or visit to a new country, a move between social environments or simply transition to another type of life. One of the most common causes of culture shock involves individuals in foreign environment. Culture shock can be described as consisting of at least one of the four phases honeymoon, negotiation, adjustment, and adaption. Now, it's pretty easy to say what that the four of those mean. Honeymoon would probably be like the exciting moments and negotiation is kind of like rejection, acceptance, and then adjustment is like, okay, I have to deal with this and adaption is like actually dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah. And there's really no way to entirely prevent culture shock um, and because it's in the given name, like, hence, shock. So it's, you can't really prevent yes. it. Yeah. Yes, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, just for my listeners, to give a little bit of idea of who you are and as a person, where you're coming from, background and all, and what country you are coming from. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I am coming from Syria. Basically, I left Syria in 2011 and then fled to Jordan, then to Egypt, and I settled there for five years. Then I came here to Canada. So I basically experienced four different cultural shocks in my life. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, previous, like, previous to, like, prior to leaving Syria, I was, like, we used to go to Kuwait a lot. Uh, it's in the Gulf uh, area of the Middle East. So also that, like, my family come from there, and they're pretty, like, they're settled there pretty much. So when we went to Egypt, it was it was pretty different because it's in North Africa, and it was very different from the Levantine or the Middle East that we're used to. Uh, the language was different. The culture was different. Everything was different. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much. When I came to Canada, I was in grade 9. And uh, I had to learn the language from the beginning. So you wouldn't say that language was something you adopted through media or anything? It was something that you had to learn right there and then? Yes, for sure. When I came here, uh, I think the school environment really helped me a lot in shaping 
is shaping my personality and the way I talk or the way I learn and everything. Like the ESL courses that they used to offer back in the Woodland School at high school, um, I think like they used to like give you sort of like injections of languages, like a bit of a bit of injection every week. Yeah. Like they teach you little things, and then you go to academic English, and it's completely different. Yeah. So I think that was a good thing. I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Although a lot of people oppose it, a lot of people reject it. I think it's a good thing because uh, this ESL course, these ESL courses, they were like bridges to you to academic English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's that's an interesting way, like a term that you picked up, which was uh, like injections. I like that uh, idea. So for people that maybe haven't enrolled in ESL or haven't experienced like culture shock, that that's an interesting term that you use. Um, uh, continuing on language, since we're on the topic, I wanted to know how fast you were able to pick up all the like lingo and the slang. For myself, I'm always finding new terms and new slang, and I'm just like, what do you mean? A lie means agree, and like it's like sometimes I accept it, sometimes I adopt the language, sometimes I completely reject it. But um, I want to know kind of like your process and speed with adapting the language with that. Okay, to be honest. So when I came to the GTA, it was different because, you know, like, Mississauga has different slangs that Toronto has. Yeah, yeah. Slangs, right? So uh, for me, it was it was easy to pick up on the slangs because I used to engage a lot with people. So they would, like, I learned a, I learned slang language before academic English. Ooh. So, like, <laughs> yes, like, different words that came to me, like, it was just easy to pick up on it because I used to use it every day in my life. Of course. And... Uh, than like negotiation or integration or whatever, yeah. right? So yeah, for sure, like slang, slang language was very easy to, to learn for me, easier than academic. Yeah, slang is also really fun. Like, it's interesting to, like, think about how it came to be. While, like, studying Shakespearean uh, arts and all that, it's just like, why am I doing this? But slang seems like there's a purpose when you have, like, a group and all and, like, yeah. Okay, I don't know post here, but I love Shakespeare, and I really, really, like, I enjoy it. I so enjoy it so much. That's good. Was, like, Mr. Donahue always asked me, like, why do you like Shakespeare? And I just went full on explaining why I like Shakespeare, because I really, like, I enjoy it. Okay, yeah, no, I can say I have appreciation for it. I I love uh, seeing how language evolves and how um, something uh, is, comes to be in the language and how some languages adopt from other languages. I love that. I enjoy looking at history and everything, but sometimes it feels like we focus a little bit too much on that and not uh, other aspects of the language and what it can be and what we can uh, bring into our lifestyle of uh, focusing on language um but yeah i definitely have appreciation for his works and everything i feel like the, like the way the curriculum offers shakespeare is the wrong way mm. like it needs to be adjusted you absolutely know? Yeah. but the play like the places are so like themselves are good oh yeah i agree yeah i i enjoy reading them i enjoy watching people put on shows for them like the musicals and plays yeah for sure yeah. So common problems include information overload, language barrier, as we mentioned, generation gap is a big one, technology advancements, independence versus dependence practices, and homesickness. So would you be able to tell me which of the one from the list or even off the list was something that uh, was a challenge that you faced and how you overcome it maybe? Literally all of them. Oh no. Literally all of them were challenges to me. 
um, I think the biggest one was the language barrier. Mm. But then, like, after a few years, I just picked up on the language and I was just able to adapt. But then, like, during that period of time, my mental health was, like, it was droning. It was, like, it was, like, beyond the ground. Yeah. Uh, I went through a similar stage of depression. Like, I wouldn't call it depression because it wasn't that, like, it was strong. It was heavy on me and on my surroundings as well. But, uh, like, it wasn't as bad as depression, I would say. So that one, too. I think the generation gap, I felt like, you know, when I was in Egypt, I felt like I was in a bubble. And then the bubble was popped, and all of a sudden, I'm in Canada, and I'm facing reality, facing all of these, like, brilliant minds and open-minded people. And I had to, like, debate and discuss and all of that. These things would not, like, we were not used to. Mm -hmm. uh, and we weren't used to do it, like, in Egypt. Like, it was just completely different. Even the academic style of teaching, uh, the, like, and like, literally everything. Yeah. So, yeah. For that, how I how I managed to do it, um, obviously I used to go to the counselors, but they never helped. Oh so no! I had, to do it. I had to do it my way. Yeah. Um, I think, okay, when I first came to the school, I did not feel welcome. I didn't speak the language. People weren't able to communicate. But once I picked up on that, like a year later or so, uh, I befriended pretty much everyone in the school. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like everyone around me was helping me. And they were like, they were always pushing me forward. Uh, they never discouraged me or like, you know, like make me feel that I am, uh, I'm nothing. I'm just, you know, like no value. Yeah. They always like, they, they got my back and they were always pushing me forward. And... Through them, I like I went like steps forward, so many steps forward. Um, and then until I came to university, um, I felt like things were a lot more different. People are a lot more open-minded. And yeah, like they were like even like in university, they're always helping you. They're always like encouraging you and all of that. But like it, it was more a lot more different from high school because they wouldn't. <laughs> I feel like in high school, because we had the enhanced classes, it was just, oh, it was hell. Don't mention that. Oh, the gifted students. Okay, I'm friends with some of them. Like, it, it, and some of them are okay. But, like, then yes, there's just, like, the vast majority that just, I, hmm. They're, like, their yes, only personality yes. trait is being gifted, I swear. Yes, uh, yeah, true. But they, they look down on you, like, you're nothing. Yeah. And I don't know why. You know, especially like for me, I came as a refugee. I came as a person that had literally no knowledge in the culture, no knowledge in the language. It was just, it was so heavy on me. So yeah, when when you go to university, there's no enhanced access, no enhanced yeah. So you're all the same. <laughs> it was just, it was easy for me. It was so much easier for me. So I'm enjoying university a lot more than I That's good. Uh, in terms of culture. Yeah, that's good that you're able to transition into like uh, your academic uh, career and that it's not uh, too burdenizing on you. That's good to hear. Yes, for sure. So you said that uh, you mentioned you've been to a few different countries facing multiple cultural shocks, multiple different times. Could you list from like most intense to least intense cultural shock, like depending like which country comes first and to oh my least? God, for sure. <laughs> Um, okay, so I grew up in Syria, and Jordan was, uh, they, they, it shared borders with Syria, so 
uh, we had pretty much the same culture. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Even the language, yeah, like it's the same thing. It's like everything is the same. But uh, when I took the boat and I went to Egypt, I went to Egypt by sea. So uh, I took the boat, I went to Egypt. And that, from there, the, like the language, the dialect, they spoke Arabic, yes. But the dialect yeah. was completely <laughs> different. It was completely different. Um, so that that was the first one. And then, um, like, the people, everyone was just so nice. They're like, there's no gossiping. There is no backbiting. Like, these things we were used to back in the love yeah. time. But when I went to Egypt, there was none of that. Their mannerisms were very appropriate and their attitudes. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. That's why, like, I love Egypt now. Like, oh. I grew up there. And it's just, like, I feel like it's my second home now. Uh, but... Uh, let me go on on the cultural shocks. Um, also, the transportation, like the buses, the taxis, everything else. Like, you wouldn't walk a lot. Like, you'd have to take the taxi for everything, you know? Um, uh, I think the, the currency as well, that was like, that was very shocking for us because it was, everything was cheaper there. Um, I don't know, like, if you go, like, you go on a tourism uh, kind of thing, Boya or something. Uh, it's just, it's less expensive. And so that was shocking. And the food. Oh my God, the food. What do <laughs> I tell you? None of the things that we eat were there. We had to literally, like us Syrians, we had to open our own restaurants so that we could live. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like when I fled to Egypt, there were so many Syrian restaurants opening um so that too but yeah pretty much it was just safer it was safer for me because i left syria it was i was going through like it was a war zone back in the days i was literally sieged for seven days no water no electricity no food nothing and so all of a sudden i'm just i'm in egypt i am very safe i have food i have electricity i have water everything so i think that was the biggest cultural shock for me yeah, for sure. Yeah. Coming from like what you know and what you're familiar with lifestyle wise and then um, being able to uh, completely, it's not even like there's no mental preparation time for that. It's kind of just like this is a decision and we're going for it. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yes. That's that's like, thank you for bringing that as, this up. But I had no time to think of my trauma or to deal with my trauma. Yeah. I had no time for depression, no, no anxiety, nothing. Like I was just like, thrown out and I have to deal with everything yeah. on my own. Yeah, um, and culture shock definitely varies from person to person, age to age, um, depending what country you're from, depending if you're immigrating, depending if you are coming as a refugee, if you are um, coming with a family, independent for education or permanent residence. It, it's definitely varying from person to person. That's why it's such an interesting topic. I wanted to know a few cultural shocks that you faced um, coming to Canada, like something that maybe still shocks you or something that m makes sense to you now or like some something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, this might, like, might be controversial a bit, but <laughs> the open-mindedness that they have is terrifying. That makes sense to me. Yeah, no, I get it. Go on. Yeah. Um, like, it's just so much easier for them to talk about topics that are controversial. Uh, in my culture, 
in my background and all of that. And I still can't even bring it up here within my family members yeah. or within my relatives or anything else. So when I'm going out there facing the world, like I don't know how to deal with it. You know, like when, when someone comes to me and tries to bring up this controversial topic, I don't know what to say yeah. because I just, I've never discussed that in my life. So how am I supposed to give my opinion or say my opinion on something that I've never ever talked about, Yeah. right? So that's one thing. Um, and the second, the transportation. Like until now, I don't know how to take the subway. Girl, I'm with you. Born here, raised here, I don't know. No. We've never had a subway back in the Middle East, so yeah. I don't know how to take that. Yeah, especially sure. that everything is just so organized. And <laughs> there's just like, it's just like, it's very well put together. I'm not used to that. I'm not used to this. Uh, I'm used to like having like everything all over the place. Like when you, there's no tickets when you go on the subway back in Egypt. So you just go in there and the door might close on you you know, and you don't know what to do. So you just deal with it. Yeah. Uh, but here, yeah, here everything is just organized. Uh, so for transportation, you have to check the bus, the timing, and then the time of the second bus, and all of that. So yeah. Yeah, and like which route it's going down, and like how many stops there'll be. <laughs> yes, and the Bresto card that you need to charge. And yeah. Bus, and all of that. Like, amazing. Just amazing. Okay, so... I wanted to talk to you a little bit about my cultural shock um, and maybe you can like relate to it and some yes. people might think like culture shock for Shanze, I thought she was born and raised in Canada so how can that be and yeah I've been to different cities within Ontario and all and it's been relatively the same but I'm talking about when I went back home Pakistan uh, recently for my media studies university undergraduate um, bachelor's degree so what I did not expect to face such cultural shock because I had visited. I had gone back and forth every few years. I had been intact with my culture. I was very proud of my culture. I would, um, and I'm not just saying like, oh, I watch like Bollywood movies and like, I, I, I know, like such subcultural, like, yeah, no. Um, I enjoy Bollywood movies as well. I'm not shaming anyone who just watches Bollywood movies, but. I enjoy it too. Yeah. Um, but like, I would go back, I would try to learn a little bit more, try to learn a new, try to understand my mom's background, her um, kind of like upbringing. I just really wanted to be um, so close to my roots and where I came from. So when I went in with that mindset, I was like, oh, it shouldn't be too much of a problem for me, right? And I knew the differences and the like ha people's mindsets. But the things that I did not expect were things like so minor, at least in my like uh, perspective. I, I shared this with you and we were messaging when I was in still in Pakistan. I sat on the floor in a restaurant. It was like a casual restaurant, like a street restaurant, so I didn't think much of it. And I sit on the floor everywhere in Canada, and no one really gives things twice about it. And the way this girl, like, she whipped my arm up and she's like, get off the floor right now. And I'm like, why? And she's like, they're gonna think you're a beggar, and like, they're gonna be confused and everything. And I was like, wearing jeans too, right? So it was like, double confusion, because like, all obviously jeans, and like, floor, and like, this girl, and like, what? And then that combination, I was like, like, I did not get it still at that. I get it now, kind of, um, but <laughs> that was something that I faced, and yeah. Okay, okay, please. How did I not mention this? But literally same, literally same, when they took me to the woodlands, 
and I had to like discover the school. It was on a lunch break. Everyone was on a lunch break. And do you know how they sit on the floor? Yeah. That that was so very shocking for me and my family because they were there too. So they were like, Why are they like beggars sitting on the floor? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Why do you ask me? I just came in here. So yes, yes, that's actually very common back in Asia. I don't know why. but like nothing stuck with me as much as that just because like I love sitting at the on the floor like there's nothing more interesting than to and I think it goes back to something about like experiencing different like levels in my life and like I, I think I'm just trying to be really deep and like um you know like <laughs> think that like there's a deeper meaning in it <laughs> but uh, it's like I like sitting on the floor I like to think that like oh I like looking at different perspectives and different levels <laughs> I love, you, know, you know the English way that we had in school they were like big windows that that can like lead you to like you know the landscape and all of that so when you sit there you see the sky you see like the landscape everything wow. we used to sit there back in i don't that. think we had the same english classroom then no it was in the english bay though like in this area yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah i remember now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah so that one that was Wow, that's, that was beautiful view, to be honest. Exactly. It's really cool oh, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty short, so it's not much difference from the floor and where I st- stand regularly. <laughs> but um, it, it's sometimes interesting to see, like, what my cat looks at, at like, certain angles. And, like, uh, there's just different things that you notice at a certain angle. Like, I'm sitting on the floor of my closet right now, Some people, for my listeners, <laughs> just if you want to know. Um, and it's just, like, interesting. Like, there's certain things that you look at differently. Literally, you look at differently. I'm not trying to be, like, ph- philosophical right now, but that's what it is. Like, physically, you can look at things differently and, like, emotionally and all that, so... Yeah, I don't know how we steered into, like, this philosophical conversation. Um, Next point I wanted to bring up. I'm not too sure if this is something you have experienced. I don't think you have, but I think you'll be able to picture it at least. And that is uh, reverse culture shock. Reverse culture shock is a term to describe the feeling uh, of surprise or disorientation or confusion experienced when someone returns home to their home country, homeland. Um, is that something that you ever faced in, in a minor way, either from like city to city or like maybe going to a field trip and like you come back home and like you immersed yourself so much in an environment and then you're just like reflecting and it's a lot to take in and adjust back into your regular routine or whatever? Mm-hmm. So I can, okay, so I have that, like two different things that I need to share on this. Uh, first one is when I was back in Asia, uh, I was in a very residential city. Like I resided there in a residential one. So there's residential and then there's the tourist ones, right? So I I was in a residential one and uh, we decided to go on a, like a tourism trip. So we went to Sharm Sheikh, which is, it's close to Saudi Arabia. And that place was completely different. It was like another Canada for me. Um, everyone is just foreign. The mm. language is English. Oh. And the currency is different. Like, you would pay higher. You'd pay a lot more, much, than the residential area. So like a, a can for two pounds, you'd pay like 10 pounds for it in that tourist area. Wow. Right? It's like, that's, that's very common in the Middle East. I don't know why. Like, they would take advantage of tourists. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was very shocking. And everyone was just like half naked walking in the street. So my family. Yeah, that must have been really awkward. Yeah, my family is just 
What? <laughs> like closing out their peripheral vision and like all the way. That's just like... Literally, yes, 24 7. And like the pool, the hotel that we resided in, uh, everything was just like, <laughs> it was like, ugh, like no matters, you know? So we, we couldn't stay more than one week. We fled back to the residential area right away. Uh, but another thing though, I want to say, I still am fearing going back to Syria. Because now I'm just I'm like I don't know I don't know how to say this but I'm I'm too foreign for them I am too open minded like when I discuss something with my cousins back home I just see how different we think um, they just like have this like limited circle that they think within like the box that they think within is just so small yeah. and then I have this like big picture that I uh, think. So I, I'm still fearing that, and even that, like the language, like now my Arabic is just slowly vanishing. No, and I really don't want that. Of you know, like I don't want that. So I, I switch between English, French, and Arabic all the time. Like even like in my house here. Um, so that I'm fearing too. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I definitely think that the circle that you have, the people you have in your circle and you revolve yourself around from work to school to outside of that, uh, really do shape your perspective and your personality. And I guess you can see that in reflecting that when you talk to your cousins or relatives back home, the way that you guys maybe don't see eye to eye anymore, don't see it the same way anymore. It's kind of disheartening because you're just like my family, but it's, it's just like, what do you value more? And it's, you have both of them at the same time, your relationships yes. with your family, but also your values and your perspectives. Yeah, okay, can I talk to just one more? Yeah, before, for before sure. I, um, I feel like experience a cultural shock, you have to lose a part of your identity for that cultural shock. You know, like, like there is no way to avoid that. Even if you try so hard to manage just your identity, well, they just can't. You're going to lose a part of it at any cost. You know, which is, as you said, it's very disheartening. Uh, but there's no just there's no way to avoid that, which is terrifying as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's probably like just cultural shock alone is so much to face. It's so tiring. And then the reverse culture shock, like I know, um, coming back home, it's always like. I'm a different person. I I don't want to say that I'm fake. I don't want to say that. But I'm literally, I'm both of these people, but depending on which environment I'm in. And it's so weird to, I feel like I'm being dishonest with myself or dishonest with the people I'm, I associate with. Um, because like, I'm just like, okay, is this the real me? It feels like me. I feel genuine. But like in this country, and then I can't be have those same traits or, or lifestyle, my way of movement or anything. And it's not something I do consciously. It's very natural and very subconscious in depending on environment. And I don't want to say that that's fake. I think that's just you acting according to environment. And that's how a human being should react to anything that is new or different or, yeah. I don't think like... I don't know if people realize how much is it of a struggle to have to alternate between different cultures so you can adapt with the culture you're within right now. Yeah. So like as you said, when you went back to Pakistan and you couldn't like you couldn't sit on the floor, like you know how small this is, but to, to the other people and that of that culture, it's just a big thing. Yeah. Like you just you literally can't do that, you know? So yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Wow, really cool. Do you have any other points or questions for me, maybe, that you want to bring up? Um, 
questions. Um, I don't know, but I, I feel like we face this, like us people who go from a country to another, we keep getting this question of which one do you like better? Oh. So, yeah, you know, like I know you hate this question so much, but if you had to choose between Pakistan and Canada, which one would you choose? I don't like you right now. I really don't like you. And please do not ask me this question because I won't be able to answer it. Okay, so uh, I'm going to give you a lengthy answer because I think that's the only way that I can be honest with you. It might be annoying for my listeners, but like, bear with me. Um, I think I'm going to have to side with Pakistan. And the reason for that, it's not anything emotional because I I am proud, proudly Canadian, proudly Pakistan, both equally, carry both of those nationalities with me um, every day wherever I go. The reason why I choose Pakistan over Canada is because I feel like culture is a big asset for uh, society to con- move and evolve and like obviously culture is going to change slowly depending on technological advances and like language and evolution and clothing and so on all those factors but I think having culture is something that it's almost like your values and I feel like if you don't have values it's like saying you don't have uh criteria or uh, to be you become animals almost essentially and what happens is that I feel like People say like, oh, Canada and North America is so diverse. I feel like they're almost watered down cultural things that have been, because there are so many, right? uh, So many cultures that are mixed into one where no one's really able to show their culture. There's always that stereotype. There's always like one culture that outshines another. So for example, me as a Pakistani sitting right next to India, a huge country, really well known, Bollywood industry, bigger than Hollywood. If people don't know that, it's actually bigger than Hollywood. Um... And so, like, that outshines Pakistan. And our cultures, though similar in very many ways, also have their differences. There is a compare and contrast. But I feel like my Pakistani culture does not shine in the way that India's culture does. And that's not me shaming Indian culture. Like, I love Indian culture, and it's so colorful, colorful, and I love it. But I, that's why I choose Pakistan over Canada. And once, one more point before, like, I lose my listeners' attention. <laughs> I see a future for Pakistan. I do. I see, like, our government's getting better. I feel like it was, like, um, submerged and, like, corrupt and everything, but I feel like it's finally rising from that. I feel like education is finally um, being provided to people in villages. I feel like equality is slowly, slowly, very slowly, but surely coming its way. Uh, Technology advancements are coming and everything. Equality, especially with the younger generation. It is something that is becoming more aware of mental health, all of that jazz. But um, yeah, I could have like talked so much more. But, yeah, I could, I could relate to that a lot. You know, yeah. like as you said, you know, like when there's two different cultures, like one outshines the other. That is very true. Yeah. You know, so that's why when I come here, I just identify as Arab. I don't identify as Syrian mm. because you know, like Arab, like the Middle East is just there are so many countries in the Middle yeah. East. So to just not uh, feel like discriminative or any of that, I just identify as Arab. Oh, that's easier for you to like have a general. Much easier to walk. Yeah. yeah. Much easier. In the bigger picture, you go with Asian. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, like adding on to that, um, yeah, it, it, it's exhausting to like correct people like where you're from, and uh, so you just go with a general term, so you don't have you can avoid that conversation. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not identified as Asian. Like, I'm identified as South Asian or Indian. Yeah, because there's that, like, uh, people's I- 
ideal they like to associate certain features with asia and asian people i know yeah so yeah. but i strongly but, feel like i'm asian and sometimes i feel like that's just uh stripped away from me like that identity is just like taken away from me okay these are just terms that the society implemented on yeah. us but ge- geographically if you think about it we're all asian uh, that's east, true west south that middle, is true doesn't matter absolutely that's why it was just you know, go by Asian. Hey. <laughs> Just like, oh, where are you from? Oh, you know where you're from, Asia. <laughs> Asia, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that. So much easier. Honest, yeah. Or just be like, you know, Earth. Like, honestly, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Ugh, <laughs> oh, anyway. Super cool conversation. This was really fun and interesting. I'm glad we really talked about it because it seems to be that it seems to be there, but not too much understood or spoken about. And of course, everyone's experience will differ from each other, um, where they're moving from, age, gender, and so on. Um, But it's really cool to have like more perspective on this subject. So thank you so much for coming on to my show and to share your experiences and all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for hosting me. Thank you to everyone who's listening, and thank you for you for putting this together. It was it was an awesome conversation. Of I course. finally opened up about it. It was just sitting on my chest. Yeah. So, yeah. so thank you so much. That of was course. amazing. Yeah, I know you have a you are a person with a valuable conversation and in multiple topics, and that's why I really wanted to bring you onto my show. So thank you for that. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And for my listeners, I'll catch you in the next one. And till next time.